Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Welcome everyone. I am so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for listening. Apollonia Rockwell with the True Safety Podcast. And I'm really excited to have one of our newest team members here at True Safety. But uh, Patrick Burke is joining us today with over 20 years of safety experience as a safety professional and a ton of other experience doing exciting things that we'll get into. But Patrick, welcome today. And how has your morning been? Oh, it's been a good, uh, good busy Friday. Awesome. It's always nice, nice to hear from old uh, colleagues and clients and um, hear from uh, folks that, that are like-minded and interested in, in um, kind of stepping up their, their safety for their organizations. Oh my gosh. Well, what I've learned just in the short time that we've known each other is that Patrick is connected to every single person in the the community um, here in Greeley, Colorado, or just Colorado, no matter where it's at, you have connections all over the world, it seems like. So um, holy smokes, (laughs) you're super connected. But for the audience who doesn't have the privilege of knowing you like I do, can you give just a, a little intro about who Patrick is and how your um how has your career brought you into the safety industry into the safety world Good thing so my name is Patrick Burke and I have about 20 years as Apollonia mentioned about 20 years involved in uh safety for large-scale remediation um federal projects that have spanned Department of Energy Department of Defense uh some pretty challenging facilities with radiological decontamination and heavy demolition, as well as explosive demolition throughout the country at different uh, national labs and um, federal facilities, as well as some, some time in the oil and gas field as well. Yeah, well, it's interesting because what, I know you have a lot of safety experience on um, complex projects on high hazardous sites and locations and, and, and work types. And what's interesting is that we both land on the common concept that no matter the business, no matter the industry, we're in the people world and we're in the people business and people industry. And so one thing that I'd love to ask you about is just how have you seen companies, high performance companies rally a team together on on keeping your your team focused on safety when they are working around high hazardous uh, job sites and you know there is a lot of risk involved in a day-to-day operation how in the world have companies kept their eyes their employees eyes on the prize and stay focused a lot of the uh, the culture that I've been um, able to be part of, with those successful programs and projects, it really came down to a, a team effort, a team feel that we were all in this together. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the some of the work was extremely challenging with multiple levels of PPE and um, different organizations applying uh, requirements 
um, that uh, that controlled the work atmosphere, the work that we performed. And I think that, you know, if we, what I saw that was very um, successful was to ensure that the employees had a chance to to provide their input, provide mm -hmm. their their best management practices, and with a management group and style that was open to some of those suggestions. Some of the best projects that I've worked on really engaged the workforce for uh, some of the some of the ways that they would do the work more efficiently and and safely or more safely uh, or in more safe in a safer manner. Um, and those were highly communicative workforces where there was an open door amongst management and employees and even vendors and subcontractors. Oh, wow. That, that open communication really gave us some experience that I think, you know, as a, as a, as a group, we all gained um, in the end. I think, I love how you just painted a picture there because that's exactly where I wanted to go is I think as safety professionals, we're often faced the same challenge of, all right, how do I take this safety culture? How do I take the company culture to the next level? How do I get my workforce to be more engaged? How do I get this engagement? Well, we know it's all about engagement, but what does that look like and feel like? And I think you really started to describe it right there is if we could just, if we could hear more about what it looks like to have a high performance team or a project ran, then we can strive towards it if we know what it looks like. And what I heard you say is that what it looks like from your experience is that it's a highly communicative team. There's leadership and management is constantly asking for feedback and constantly engaging the workers for their input. And they're just trying to listen and hear for what the team is saying, feeling, needing. And because employees feel um, heard and seen, then it creates an overall culture. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, this kind of leads to one philosophy I have in mind that I, I have never really asked you about is, one of my philosophies is that we don't, companies don't have a safety culture. I believe that companies have a culture Yes. and safety it's like there's not a billing culture and an office culture and then the field culture I mean we all have our groups but overall some and this you'll relate to this is um on the safety side I've had companies come to me and say hey I've had owners come to me and say hey our safety culture sucks <laughs> and the employees, this, 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 my employees don't appreciate anything. They're getting hurt left and right. I don't know what their problem is. I need you to come in here and solve yeah. <laughs> and save the day. And you're smiley because you totally have heard this. I can tell. Yes. What advice do you give to a company um, that might be maybe stuck in that mindset? You know, it, it really comes down to <clears throat> breaking down the barriers between management and uh, employees. And I, I could give you a, a pretty interesting example. Um, and it, it's dated a little bit, but it goes back to some time that I had. We were, I, I worked at the Rocky Mountain Arsenal um, during the closure. And again, those of you that are not familiar with that facility, it was a Department of Defense site here in Denver. Um, it produced nerve gas and nerve agent uh, for use in 
in World War II and subsequent wars afterwards or um, whatnot for the Department of Defense. Um, a few corporations came in and used that facility as well for production of chemicals. So you had essentially a witch's brew of different types of materials that were um, left out in basins and buried on site. I mean, it was a highly contaminated site. We were in the process of the, of the cleanup for that project. And the ultimate goal was to turn that into a wildlife refuge, which it is today. Um, so the public can go visit that facility. Um, at one point in time, there were some facilities uh, on site that were protected through the, uh, through the Warsaw uh, Treaty, Warsaw Act, where um, we would allow some of the, some of the um, uh, Eastern Bloc representatives to come over and inspect the facility um, to prove that we were no longer making chemical weapons out there at that facility. So high level type place. We were in the process of the cleanup and we were working towards our VPP, our OSHA VPP star um, uh, accreditation with the, uh, with the oh site. So I didn't know, very, I haven't heard this story, okay. Very large undertaking for that facility. Again, I think at any given time, we probably had 2,500 people on site, vendors, subcontractors. Good. We had uh, a lot of excavation occurring, a lot of, of landfill construction occurring, um, heavy demolition and then remediation of, of uh, nerve agent contaminated areas. So we internally had, a, had a, a rule that you didn't send workers or vendors out of the field alone. Mm -hmm. And one of, our, one of the mornings, it was a cold um, early winter morning, um, we had a, a secretary that took it upon herself to, to go and, and inspect a, a, uh, an area where there was an excavator. And it just happened to be parked um, or stationed in a, a spot that she could see from one of the main roads uh, in the sunrise, and again, early morning, um, she could see that there was a person on top of this excavator in the early morning uh, daybreak. And it was a cold morning, there was a frost. I don't think there was snow on the ground, but there was a heavy frost. And she saw this person, she took it upon herself to drive down this two track dirt road in her little car. She didn't have a four wheel drive or anything special like that. So she took it upon herself to drive out there and check on that employee, that, that person who ended up actually being a, a vendor. Mm -hmm. um, he was a service person performing some service on that piece of equipment, trying to get his day started. And she went out and she stopped his activity. And she stopped it for a number of reasons. She stopped it because number one, no fall protection. Number two, slippery, icy surface, frosted mm -hmm. surface on a metal-based piece of equipment. And number three, no support. He had no radio with him. He may yeah. have had a cell phone in the cab of his truck. So um, she was late that morning. She reported into the office that I was at. We were used to Mary being there at a certain time, and she'd always fire up the coffee for all of us that were coming in and out of the field. And that morning we wondered where Mary was. And yeah. um, when she showed up, she reported this and said, hey, you know, I, I noticed this guy, he was out by himself. He was a vendor and that doesn't line up with how we're supposed to do things here. Mm. So the point of my story, and, and there was a lot of, of recognition for that act uh, that Mary performed. Um, Mary was not a safety professional. Yeah, Mary. yeah. 
Mary was a straight up administrative support person, great lady. Um, but what it what it showed is an overall care, mm -hmm. an overall big picture care that even someone that may not be trained professionally as a, as a safety person or someone that's um, that's that's uh, you know safety minded that someone that has a care for what's happening around them, situational awareness can positively affect the outcome of a, of a large scale project. Yeah. Had that operator fallen off, had he been in, or had that uh, equipment maintenance person fallen off and been injured, I would think that our, uh, our push for the VPP star site could have been damaged by that. So Oh, sure. Oh, and who knows how long anybody would have known about it, how long until it would have taken for someone to recognize that because he had no communication. He was a vendor. He was out, you know, off by himself and no one would have known, too. That's correct. So I guess the point of this little story is what's been successful is, you know, from a culture standpoint, when when a company has come to me and says, well, you know, my safe, our safety culture is not healthy, it's not good. It needs to come from the, and I'm gonna use the term bottom up, but what I'm saying is it needs to come from the boots on the ground where the rubber meets the road, your frontline workers up mm -hmm. through management. So they in turn, we in turn can support those changes, those needs, that communication. Mm -hmm. Again, multiple minds thinking about how to do a job efficiently and safely is a lot better than being told by one mind how to do a job safely and efficiently. Absolutely. That makes that story resonates with me on so many different levels because um, thinking about the major incidents that I've worked on or even even the even the minor ones, nine times out of 10 and I know you'll, this will be no surprise to you. Nine times out of 10, every single incident, somebody else was on that job site. Somebody else saw exactly what happened. And somebody knew that what that injured employee was doing at the time was hazardous, was unsafe, and they didn't do anything about it. Yes. And so what you're talking about, what I hear you saying is being your brother's keeper is a huge philosophy of yours and one of the core foundations of having a healthy safety culture or a healthy organizational culture is the simple fact of caring for the person that you're working with. Have you seen that too? You know, is that just my experience or have a lot of the incidents that you've worked on, everyone on the job site maybe saw something that went wrong and they, they weren't gonna say anything about it because they Absolutely. felt uncomfortable. Absolutely. Does that resonate with you? It does. It does. And I, again, being able to openly communicate across management lines, across, you know, uh, when you have a multi-faceted um, worksite with multiple subcontractors and contractors and vendors working together, that's where the communication amongst those groups that are you know, disassociated from an organization standpoint, mm -hmm. but breaking down that barrier and ensuring that there's a solid communication amongst those groups. How many times do we see large-scale construction projects or, or uh, large-scale projects where you have multiple vendors and they don't communicate with each other? They're stepping all over each other's work area. They might all have- All on the same location. On the yeah. same location. 
focusing in on their task and their, their um, scope of work and not necessarily stepping across that boundary and saying, hey, you know, you and the excavator, we're going to be laying in pipe just after you. You've got the dirt work contract and we've got the pipe laying contract and we need to coordinate this. I mean, that's one of the things that's that's really critical and important from a safety standpoint, from a communication standpoint, is to be, you know, if you're a safety person, to be that liaison and yeah. get those groups inter, intermingling and interconnecting so that they can understand what's happening. Number number one. Number two, are there critical mission tasks that are taking place that have an elevated level of safety precaution that goes with it? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so those are, you know, some of those pieces kind of play out when you look at or you investigate one of these mishaps or incidents that occur, you start to see that many eyes saw what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, There was no communication tie. I don't know that group. I I don't know, even know their phone number. It's on the side of their truck and I'm going to get someone in their office. Um, So, you know, taking a few minutes to just introduce and shake hands and exchange information on who you are, what you're doing, and what your scope is. Those are really big pieces. Those are the buds to begin that overall site safety consciousness amongst different groups. I love how you touched on it's not only important to communicate, build trust, and um, build camaraderie, really, in a sense, with your own team members, your own company, but you took it a step further and you said it's equally as important to try to build relationships or just be in communication with the other companies, with the other vendors, with the subcontractors that you're working with on site, because something that you see or something that you feel is off and you don't, something feels off, you don't, but you don't say anything just because they're a different company. That could be the difference of saving a life or not. That could be the difference of um, preventing a major incident or not is stepping out of your comfort zone and just talking to the, to the company next to you. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to end on this. I think that you exude passion and um, connectivity with people. You're obvious. You're clearly a pe- anyone who's known who has uh, crossed paths with Patrick knows that you're a people person. Um, naturally, that you have a big heart and you have a servant mindset and a servant um, care about you. And I think that that disarms a lot of people because it's like, Hey, this guy cares about me. You just get that sense from you. But, um, what I want to close on is asking you safety professionals listening today. Um, or just really anybody that's looking to be more effective in the workplace, as far as our leadership goes. Um, we have a, a common question that I get is, Hey, I'm starting in the safety industry and I'm, I don't know how to make this impact out on site. I don't know what kind of attitude to carry out there. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to assert myself so that people listen to me and respect me. And as you know, safety professionals, we're, we're dealing with that. How do I manage? How do I conduct myself on site? What's some advice that you would give to listeners that are looking to make an impact, a lasting impact on their job site? Um, how could somebody do that? Or maybe you know, that's be a, better that's a- at that? That's a very good question. And we all have, have worked with someone that uh, aptly becomes named the safety cop. 
yeah. Also, that was, guy. yeah. And that's a tough, that's a, that's a tough spot to be. You don't want to yeah. be in that spot. What I will tell you, I have two words, be humble. Oh my gosh. Being humble, yeah. be, being humble is, is a, is a, is a way to maintain a relationship, but learn, take the time to understand the challenges that that employee is working through. I mean, and really take the time, truly understand their task that they are um, trying to assess and trying to approach for that day. Um, I think if, if we keep in mind those two words, be humble, it doesn't mean weak. It means being open to understanding the process that that person is going through. And from a safety standpoint, once you present yourself as humble, you'll find that many of the people that you work with or that you oversee or that you're involved with on a day-to-day -day basis will open up and present you some of the challenges, potentially some of the techniques that they're trying to work through, but also some of the challenges that they're working through while they're performing that te technique. A good example is pipeline welders. Mm -hmm. A very challenging project, very challenging um, piece of work. I have a, a, a lot of respect for these guys. I mean, they're commonly inside of a, a trench. They're commonly in an environment that's outdoors. So mm -hmm. weather is, is related to that. They're around wind. They're trying to control, um, you know, their, their technique of welding this pipe to ensure that it's, you know, done with a, with a high level of integrity. Mm -hmm. Sometimes their position has to be um, underneath the, the, uh, the pipe. They have to use a pancake shield as opposed to a face mask. Mm -hmm. Those, that's just an example, but again, challenges with PPE, challenges with mm -hmm. uh, environment, challenges with location, challenges with other activities that are occurring right above them, excavators yeah. running around and whatnot. So as you, as a safety professional, spend the time to understand that task and the challenges with it, you become more, um, you become more, more educated on that process. You're able to present some assessments that will probably help that person in the long run, as opposed to saying, Hey, I, you know, you, you, you can't use the, the uh, pancake shield for that, for that work. Well, in some cases, that may be the only way for that for that uh, that welder to get to where he needs to be on that weld to ensure that it's you know it's it's done with high integrity on that uh, on that piece of equipment. If you take and that's one example, but if you take that approach of being humble, getting to know your employees, get to know the, what what makes them tick. As you start to build that rapport with them, you'll be able to pick up on days that are good for them and days that are off. Mm -hmm. That's another important piece, you know, as they start to break down and become um, more on the lines of a colleague and not necessarily someone that I have to oversee, mm -hmm. you'll be able to pick up on, on those, those small nuances where maybe they've had a, a really rough week. Maybe there's some situations that are going on that are driving their attention away from being a safe worker. And so I would encourage everybody to take the time to get to know who you're working with and who you're spending your time with and open their, open your mind up to the work that they do and their personal challenges, as well as their 
uh, work-related challenges, and also take that humble approach um, as opposed to the safety cop. I think you'll find that that's a, a way to, to really break down that initial barrier. Oh my gosh, that is gold, Patrick. I'm, I'm sitting here writing notes and the three big takeaways from today that I, I really heard from you is one, be humble. To have, in order, if you want to make an impact at your company, you want to make an impact with the people that you're working around, the three takeaways are be humble, be your brother's keeper, and seek to understand. And that means seek to understand uh, the the uh, the seen hazards, but most importantly, the unseen hazards with your colleagues. And that's the stress that could be the work environment, that could be the reason why someone is doing an unsafe thing. Seek to understand before you just roll up on location and start pointing out PPE deficiencies. And <laughs> hey, you're not doing this right, you're not doing that right. But if you take the time to be humble and seek to understand why someone is doing what they're doing by asking questions, by being curious, then you'll get a much better response from that employee than if you just start spouting regulations at somebody. Um, and I think that that develops then that relationship of what you mentioned of being uh, a, talking to a colleague versus talking to somebody that you're overseeing or you're trying to manage, micromanage. But I think these were, uh, you might be able to hear the train going by my office right now, but it, it works out perfect timing because we'll, um, we'll take this to an end. But thank you so much for your time today, Patrick. We'll be doing another episode where I'm just asking you questions and <laughs> trying to explore your mind more. You gave such great advice today. Um, Listeners, we're going to link Patrick's uh, LinkedIn and uh, other ways to get in touch with them. If you have any comments, if you have any questions, or if you just have any feedback on this conversation, on this topic in particular, drop your comments below and we'll absolutely start a dialogue with you. But thank you, Patrick, for being here and listeners, uh, I really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team, where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode.